and thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's message of hope on KBUR News Radio, 99.3 FM and 14.90 AM from First Christian Church of Burlington, Iowa. We hope that this week's message helps you grow in your faith and share God's love. This week, our senior pastor, Dave Yonker, continues our sermon series, Welcome Home, Becoming a Church Worthy of the Gospel, with scripture from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, through chapter 5, verse 2, titled Forgiveness. Stay tuned after the message for special music from the Davis family and to learn more about First Christian Church of Burlington. we turn to God now as we offer our hearts and minds over to him in a moment of prayer and silence. We remember those in our community of faith who needs God's grace and peace and love today. We especially remember the family of our dear friend Emily Floyd. She was a member of our congregation and had recently moved back to North Carolina to be near her family. Uh, She passed away uh, last week and so our thoughts and prayers are with her loved ones uh, and her family and as we remember and rejoice in her life well lived. Let us now offer our hearts now to God in prayer. How vast and deep is your love, O God, for us and for all of your world. We see your love moving all around us, filling us with everything good that we enjoy and cherish. In this new day and the beauty that we find in it, in the possibilities of this new week, the challenges and the opportunities that we will face. As we give you thanks for the beauty of your creation, for the gift of life, for friends and loved ones who pray for us and stand with us and bless us, we turn to you, O God, for strength and guidance to help those in our world in need of care and healing. And so here in the midst of worship, when we offer you our prayers and praises, We pray for our community, our nation, and our world that peace and justice may be known. We pray for our families and friends, especially those hurting and sick and grieving and alone. We pray for our own burdens and needs, those spoken to friends and neighbors and unspoken that you hear because they are written on our heart. Hear our prayers, O God, for our earthly families and for those who journey alone, that we might establish within your church here such a glowing love and acceptance that friendship might be strengthened and the joy of fellowship be known, that none may journey in loneliness. Free us in love, O God, to serve our neighbors, especially the poor and the hungry, the oppressed and ill. Help us to serve as agents of healing to our nation as it struggles to find footing in a time of distrust and pain and upheaval. May we be empowered to make our community, grounded in your love for your world, a place of forgiveness and reconciliation, where love is practiced in practical ways in our dealings with others who need us and need you. Fill us, O God, by your spirit as a people of faith, that we may serve you in all of our days and look forward to your heavenly feast of joy and love in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so it's in his name that we offer these prayers to you and we join our voices together now by saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Ephesians, beginning in chapter 4, verse 25, continuing to chapter 5, verse 2. We invite the Spirit of God to be upon us as we hear God's word read in the midst of worship this morning. So then, putting away all falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger, wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. We're continuing today with our Welcome Home Sermon Series. In this series, we know there are places in our lives where we feel most at home. We can be who we want to be. We can act how we want to act. We don't have to be on. We don't have to be fake. We can be at our most chill and relaxed and comfortable and not have to worry about what anyone else thinks about us because we are home. We are loved for exactly who we are. We are loved for exactly as we are because we are home. Wherever that place is in your life, there is no place like it. And so over the past four weeks, we have been reading through the book of Ephesians, learning about how in Jesus Christ, we are welcomed home. We are brought together as the body of Christ, called to be one church and one body together with all of our parts and abilities and functions, one in Jesus Christ together, one at home in his love together. And so if you were here over the first couple of weeks of this series, we heard all about all the ideals and standards on which we are called to live, all the theological arguments about what it means to be in the body of Christ, and while all that is well and good and heady stuff, sometimes those huge theological arguments can be over our head. 
And so praise the Lord for it. Last week, we finally got down to some practical application part of the book. Hands on, simple directions on what it means to live for Christ. Less philosophy class, more owner's manual. Like, this is how you change a tire. And this is the button on which you push to make the windshield wipers go and how to make them stop whenever you turn off your car. Much more of that. And so the practical application themes that we heard last week continue on from the Apostle Paul here today. Now you may remember that about 15 years ago there took place this awful tragedy in the Amish country of Pennsylvania. If you've ever been to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, then you have seen how things move a little bit slower there than they do here. The horse and buggy is the normal mode of transportation. There are old-fashioned windmills over all the farms. They use horses to till and work the fields and plant and sow the crops. And outside restaurants that are there for tourists just like us, outside of those restaurants, in addition to the parking lots that they have for cars and trucks and buses, they have parking spots for the horse and buggy to pull up next to. It's a lovely and a quaint little place. But maybe you remember that in September 2006, the Amish community faced some of the worst of humanity. For a gunman barricaded himself into a one-room Amish schoolhouse, opened fire and took the lives of five children, injured five others before taking his own life. It was just awful. And while in our 24-hour news cycle where awful things happen all over the world and we hear about them in an instant and we almost become desensitized to us, it was awful. What was amazing about the story from about 15 years ago was the reaction of the Amish community in this tragedy. Because maybe you remember the Amish community immediately gave forgiveness to the shooter. They immediately reached out to his family in love and peace. In fact, when the shooter's family held a private funeral at the cemetery, when the family drove up to the gravesite there, they saw as many as 40 Amish folks from the community coming from the side of the cemetery and encircling their gravestone in the form of a crescent. And they stood there and prayed for that family. And the mother of the shooter said, love just emanated from them. Forgiveness and love flowed through them with like every fiber of their being. And so we hear the Apostle Paul today talking about how we should be kind to each other, how we should be tenderhearted, how we should forgive each other because Christ has first forgiven us. We hear this story and we hear about passages and all these things from the Amish community in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we are blown away. We are completely blown away because we all believe that we can forgive others because By God's grace in Christ, God loves us and forgives us. We know that. But it's almost like we have a sliding scale of forgiveness. 
like a rubric that a teacher would use to give out grades at the end of a semester. It's almost like, I will forgive you if you do these things in this column, this and this and this. But if you move to the left-hand column and you do that and that and that, well, I'm not so sure. We have a forgiveness tolerance that, like, once you have reached your limit, no more. Like you're trying to log into your computer and you keep on messing up the password and messing up the password and messing up the password and, like, messing up the password over and over. After a while, you get locked out. No more. It's like that sometimes. We can forgive the small stuff. Somebody forget something at work. They make a joke that we take the wrong way. Someone is rude or mean. We're okay with that with the small things. But when the big things happen in life, that doesn't just scrape the surface, but in fact leaves a scar. It's hard. God forgives us every single time. No matter what we do. But us putting that into practice, that's hard. But we heard the scripture. Paul says, put away all bitterness, all wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, put together with all malice, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Jesus Christ has forgiven you. So how do we do this? How in the world do we do this in the life that we lead today. Well, I'm going to tell you because it's my job to tell you what I think and how I read the scriptures. And so this is it. Prepare for what I have to say. And so much like last week, it was practical application stuff. You may want to take a note. I don't want to be presumptuous, but you may want to write this down or text it to yourself, email it to yourself, because we all have work to do in this area of forgiveness. But before we get too far into it, let me first tell you what forgiveness is not. Because it is hard. And so to clear away any clutter, this is what it isn't. Forgiveness doesn't always mean that we forget everything. We have heard people say, maybe you've even said it yourself, that you should just forgive and forget and move on and just put it out of your mind. And that's good advice and all if like someone steals a cookie at lunch But if they break into your house, that's a different story. And so forgetting, forgiving doesn't always mean that we forget. Maybe you remember that story from the book of Genesis. God told Abraham to go up this huge mountain and take his son Isaac and sacrifice, sacrifice Isaac. And it is this crazy, long and winding story because Abraham and Sarah have been praying for Isaac to come into this world, wishing and hoping and praying. And now here Abraham is supposed to sacrifice his son to God. We don't know about that. And whenever you read the story, you see that the author, the author leaves out details that we would want to know about, like As they're going to the very top of the mountain, he's like, come on, Isaac, let's go for a walk. Don't mind this massive axe that I have in my hand that I'm carrying up the mountain. 
And like once they get to the top, he's like, here, lay down. You look kind of sleepy. Lay on top of these big old wood pile and don't worry about the ropes that I'm putting all over your body. Don't worry about that. The author says none of that. But what happens when the Lord intervenes and Isaac is spared, when the sacrifice is about to happen, is that in the story, Abraham and Isaac don't have much to say to each other. In fact, from here on out, Isaac is mostly silent. You can almost hear Abraham saying as they're going back down the mountain, let's not tell your mom about what happened on top of the mountain. Let's just keep it between ourselves, right? And so as they go back down, Abraham and Isaac are recorded as not speaking much to each other anymore. And what is he going to say? It's like he has forgiven his father for listening to God, but he has not forgotten. Forgiveness, forgiving others, doesn't mean that we should always roll over and play milk toast, let people run all over us and never stand up for ourselves. Last week, Paul said that we should speak the truth in love. And so sometimes it means that we say the hard words that need to be said always from a perspective of love. Forgiving others doesn't mean that we always forget and let people trample on top of us. What Paul says we should forgive others because God forgave us. And so the first thing he says to do is to put away bitterness in your life. You know how it is when someone just rubs you the wrong way and you cannot let go of it. It makes you bitter and grumpy and angry all the time. It's almost like a sty that you have in your eye. And after a while, you can rub it and it's red and it hurts. And pretty soon it clouds your vision and everything in front of you is fuzzy. It's like that with bitterness. And so Paul says to move past bitterness and anger, wrangling over every little thing with all malice. You may not always forget what has happened or what others have done, but you don't have to be dominated by it. I heard someone once say that not forgiving is allowing someone else to live inside of your head rent free. It's like that. And so when we put away with bitterness, we, we put away with allowing others to live inside of our head, to live inside of our heart and have them affect everything that we do and say. And so we choose the good over the bad and we choose to find joy in life. We choose to live the life that God calls us to live. And so we push bitterness aside. The second thing Paul says is that we should be kind. Much like gentleness last week, kindness is not one of these virtues that we extol most in our world today, but is in fact a fruit of the Spirit from Paul's letters. It's in fact one of our core values in our church here. And that old saying is true that you may not always remember what someone says to you, but you always remember how they made you feel. That kindness and compassion put into practice is something that sticks with others 
It is a gift from God. And it's something that our world needs now more than ever. The last thing in this little section that Paul says is that we are to imitate God. Try and imitate God by how we live our lives. For we know that our children learn by watching others. Our kids learn to walk by watching us walk. And though they learn, they also learn to speak by hearing us speak. And even though we tell them to only do what we say, not what we do, we know they will learn by our actions anyway. And so as Christians and as people who follow Jesus Christ, he is the one in which we see God most clearly. And so we look to the life that Jesus lived, full of compassion and forgiveness full of treating people with grace and dignity, seeing the world as everyone as a child of God, as created in God's image. We're called to imitate and put that life into practice. And if we can get that right, if we can get these things right, we are on the right track in living the life of faith. Because forgiveness is hard. Remembering that God forgives us each and every time is one thing. But finding the strength to offer that forgiveness to others is something else entirely. But that is the life that God calls us to lead and put into practice. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's message of hope from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ here in Burlington, Iowa. We are located at 1221 Park Avenue on the south side of town in between the airport and Dankwart Park. If you're looking for a new church home or searching for something beyond yourself, we hope you will join us for worship this Sunday morning. We offer two styles of worship each Sunday. Our traditional service is at 8.45 a.m., featuring beloved hymns of the faith. Our contemporary service is at 10.45 a.m. and is led by our amazing band. In both services, you'll hear a sermon similar to the one you listen to today on the radio. Be welcomed at the Lord's table for communion and join with us in prayer and praise. During the summer, children's church is offered at our 1045 service. There's no better way to begin our week in worship, so we hope you will join us here at First Christian Church. So glad morning when the sun